Welcome to The Meaning of Life, where philosophy gets personal. This podcast is a series of conversations between Dr. Susie Ferrarello and philosophers from around the world exploring the ever-persistent question of what is the meaning of life, amongst other topics in philosophy. Our host, Dr. Susie Ferrarello, receives her PhD in philosophy from the Sorbonne University in Paris. She is an expert in phenomenology, ethics, moral psychology, and ancient and contemporary philosophy. Dr. Ferrarello is currently a professor at California State University, East Bay, and also a philosophical counselor. Follow our social media accounts for episode updates, highlights, and other behind-the-scenes material. Hello, everyone. It's my great pleasure to have here today Professor Christopher Moreman. He's uh, the, the, the chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies at California State University, East Bay. He got his PhD in Religious Studies at the University of Wales and his master in Mysticism and Religious Experience at the University of Kent. He has uh, a wide number of books uh, he worked on. Some of them is uh, uh, titled Beyond the Threshold, After Life Beliefs and Experience in World Religions, uh, Death, Society and Human Experience, Dharma of the Dead, Zombies, Mortality and the Buddhist Meditation on Death, The Routledge Companion to Death and Dying, uh, death, dying, uh, and mysticism, the spiritualist movement, uh, speaking with the dead in America and around the world, the three volumes, he uh, was the editor. So uh, it's, uh, it, it's really my pleasure to have you here today, Chris. And um, yeah, I don't know, we can start from um, knowing, uh, yeah, how did you end up working on uh, this specific field of philosophy? And how does this balance with uh, the idea of happiness, uh, if uh, it does in any way? <laughs> yeah. So you, so um, you just want to know the story of how why I studied religion? Yeah, and dying. I mean, it's a it's a peculiar uh, field, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, I basically, I was uh, not really like I. Uh, um, geared towards a specific path when I was mm -hmm. starting starting college and university. And so I was studying just a few different things I thought were interesting, but I also thought I would uh, be an engineer. Oh, really? People, <laughs> yeah, people said I should be, that's what my parents said, I should be an engineer oh. because when you have a degree in engineering, you can do anything you want, they said. So I was gonna be an engineer, but yes. I hated studying uh, physics and chemistry and stuff, so and math I just hated those things uh-huh I could do it I was good at it but I yeah hated you were it. good with numbers so eventually I just was realizing I'm not going to be able to complete this like I can't imagine a life where I'm going to be doing physics for my whole life so, so one day started. I was doing it I was studying oh, oh wow uh -huh. I was studying science and then one day I, I was sitting in physics class and I still remember the, the professor drawing an eye because he was going to talk about optics and he was drawing an eye and I just said I was like I can't do this for my whole life and I I left the class uh -huh. and I went straight to the registrar and I dropped all my science courses and I made an appointment with a um, an academic advisor mm -hmm. and the advisor basically he sat down with me and I'm like I don't know what I'm going to do with my life you know, <laughs> I'm like 17 and I don't know what uh -huh. I'm going to do so yeah, it happens. This, he it's says, 
he said, uh, you know, he had a bachelor's degree in geography. Mm-hmm. And he said, how often do you think geography has much to do with academic advising? He said, really, the degree doesn't necessarily tell you, mm-hmm. you know, train you for a specific job. Mm. So he said, you should study what you like and then figure the job out as you go. So that's, that's what I've done. Mm. So I ended up studying. Um, I changed my major like three times as undergrad. I was a psychology major, an anthropology yeah. major, and uh-huh. then I was a classics major because I liked mythology. Uh-huh. And then because I liked mythology and I thought, well, I could go and study some, you know, classics more. But then I found this program in England that was on mysticism and the whole concept of mystical experience and people contact, having contact with the divine and having these strange, uh-huh. like, you know, experiences of miracles and the paranormal and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. fascinated me so I thought well if I could study that then that's really what I want to study so I moved into studying mysticism and religious experience and then while I was there in England I found this program in death studies oh. in Wales and I I looked at it and I thought what would be really cool is to study like ghosts experiences uh-huh. so I reached out to the director of the program there and he said well if you've already finished a master's degree you might as well do a phd with me instead so that's what i did and you stayed in wales i mean far from uh, your uh, country you're from canada right mm-hmm. yeah it actually was it actually worked out that because um the the doctoral program in england doesn't require coursework it's just a pure research degree Ah, mm -hmm. yeah so i could go back and forth so i Mm. spent a lot of time in montreal and then went to wales every you know Mm a few months here and there but most of the time i was actually in montreal so then i just ended up studying religious studies kind of by accident that was real passion though because i mean to undertake so many trips and uh, dedicate so much time Mm-hmm. What did you find in uh, in this studying? Uh, what kind of uh, mm-hmm. yeah motivation kept you awake in studying this for so long? So when I went to England, um, part of the program was learning about mystical traditions from all different religious backgrounds, different religious traditions. And so mm-hmm. among the things we were reading was Taoism. And I hadn't mm-hmm. been introduced to Taoism before. Mm-hmm. So when I was reading Taoism, I started um, realizing that actually the advice that that academic advisor had given me was kind of in a way Taoist. Oh. Because Taoism has this, this um, notion that everybody has a, you know, their own kind of direction, their own way, their own guiding principle. Mm-hmm. And the only way to know, because nobody else can tell you what your way is. No one can tell you your, 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 your guiding principle. Only you can know it. And so you have to listen to yourself to know it. Mm-hmm. So when this guy told me I should just study what I like, he really was saying something that was Taoist, that I should listen to myself and go follow that path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once I was in England, I was studying Taoism. And then it, there's also this idea in Taoism that there are there are like signposts that t- can help tell you oh. when you're on the right path. Oh. It's like uh, if 
if I know it feels right, then it means I'm doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And once I read the stuff in Taoism, I was like, this is totally it. Like, this is what I'm doing. So um, one of the ideas in Taoism also seems to be that uh, you can tell you're going on the right path if it works. Mm -hmm. So if you um, if you're if you're banging your head against a brick wall and nothing's working, that's a sign that you're going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So when I went to England and then found this guy in Wales and I contacted him and he said, well, you should just do a PhD. It's it was like, yeah. that's just making it easier yeah. to go and do that. Mm -hmm. So that in a Taoist sense is a sign of like, that's the way to go. And then once I, um, you know, got accepted into the program in Wales and they were, and they made it clear that I could go back and forth from Montreal to Wales. It was like easier too. So mm -hmm. all these pieces that seemed like to fit with what I mm -hmm. needed and it all mm -hmm. just made sense to go and do that. That's very Socratic also. Yeah. How so? Yeah. Well, you know, you, you want to listen to, to know yourself. Yeah, right. Okay. As yeah. Uh, the way to go in life, as mm -hmm. uh, main path. And what were you studying back then? As an undergrad, I didn't have a wide basis of, in studying religious studies. I'd only taken a couple of religious studies courses. So with my master's degree, I had to do a, a lot of reading to catch up on the breadth of religious traditions that we were looking at. But um, when I went to do my PhD, I had an advisor, but I also, in, in a way, I had like chapter advisors because I had a chapter for every religious tradition. Oh, okay. So I had specific expert um, help for, you know, the chapter on Islam, oh. the chapter on um, Chinese religions, the chapter on Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and my supervisor was, um, was a Christian theologian. So I had that, that kind of resource to guide me at each tradition in terms of reading and then I was just reading for years for before oh, I could write anything and then, uh -huh. wow. but my focus at least was on afterlife huh. beliefs so the book that you mentioned the beyond the threshold that's my PhD thesis oh, okay um, but like revised so when I was doing all the reading I I knew there was no book that uh presented afterlife mm. stuff the way that I wanted to research it mm -hmm. so then I thought well I'll just write the book it'll that'll be just that'll be the text so combining the elements of afterlife belief from a bunch of different religious traditions and then looking at afterlife experiences in those traditions mm. and then in, and then in the context of of uh, research into afterlife beliefs mm -hmm. um, was like the the third part that's fascinating. What's your stand today in uh, respect to religion and afterlife? I um, I I like things about pretty much all of the religions. Mm -hmm. There's some stuff in all of them that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not religious, mm -hmm. and uh, but you are not atheist either, right? I'm an atheist. Ah, so you are an atheist. Okay. Yeah, I actually, I was um, brought up Catholic. Uh, but then um, as I was studying I lear and learning about religious studies and stuff, I learned about apostasy. 
So mm. I, I formally committed apostasy. I wrote a letter to the bishop <laughs> and everything. Ah, you did. Uh, <laughs> and what yeah. did you say? I wrote to uh -huh. publicly denounce my baptism. I, uh -huh. But I felt like it was unfair to, uh -huh. to have, uh, con to have con confirmation at the age of 13 when I was too young to know, mm -hmm. you know, what I was yeah. confirming. So um, then the bishop wrote back to me and said, it, <laughs> asked me if I understood the ramifications of my decision. Ah, which were? That I would go to hell, presumably. Ah, okay, yeah. And so I wrote back to him again, um, All right. <laughs> saying I, I understand the ramifications, what you believe the ramifications to be, and I don't believe them, that's why you're making this decision. And mm -hmm. then he wrote back again and said I could come back anytime I wanted. Okay, so. that's nice. <laughs> you have a door open just in case. Yeah. Okay. And uh -huh. then uh, when I, well, I don't know. When I went to England, I and to study mysticism and religious experience, my mom said to me, she 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 said, "I forbid you from becoming a priest." And I was like, <laughs> "This is not. This is the furthest thing away from where I'm headed on this." Ah, okay. But people often make that. Uh, that confusion between studying religion and studying to studying, mm -hmm. I guess, you know, ministry. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, sometimes it's the opposite. I, I don't know. I don't want to maybe go there, but it's uh, not that if you are a minister, uh, you spouse uh, religion at the same death as a scholar of religion. I mean, yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. it's yeah. My because my area is in comparative religion mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's that's it's kind of tricky because you have to study a whole bunch of different traditions rather than focusing in depth on one. Mm -hmm. ah. uh, but so we could say that my in-depth knowledge is on afterlife beliefs, ah. but across these different traditions. So I know a little bit about all these different traditions, but not so much in depth as somebody who, you know, was a minister in one tradition. They would know the Bible. You know, if they were a Christian, they would know the Bible better than I did. Kind of would hope right what's <laughs> the uh most extravagant afterlife uh, view you came to know through your studying oh, but i i guess that the catholic is already interesting you but, mean like uh, extravagant yeah. in terms of yeah i mean uh, i don't know i we all make sense of the world in uh, different ways what's the way that uh, turned on your fantasy your um, uh, curiosity your interest is there one in particular well i mean my fa my favorite ones uh, are um i like elements of buddhism mm -hmm. i'm not a buddhist but i like elements of buddhism in the sense that the um you know the Buddha, the Buddha's teachings, um, in some ways, present themselves as a, in a philosophical way, right? That there's an argument um, that's presented, and and it's, it doesn't require a leap of faith, mm -hmm. um, and this relies on like the the um, the fact that change is the only thing that really is permanent. Mm -hmm. Every, in the fact that everything is changing means nothing is permanent mm -hmm. and it, and so that you know plays into ideas of the afterlife and that there really wouldn't be an afterlife of anything because everything is impermanent mm 
-hmm. And you can focus that down into any given moment that really there's this, um, the whatever it was that we were before is dead. And the thing that I am now is a, is a new thing, mm -hmm. even in this lifetime. Does that make any sense? No, it absolutely makes sense. So it's an ongoing regeneration. It's an ongoing uh, uh, being and not being. I yeah. mean, yeah. And Taoism has similar elements yeah. to it in the in the in the in the changingness of things throughout time. Uh -huh. um, and so um, I don't in you know I don't need to mourn uh, things that have changed that when I know that things are always changing. It mm -hmm. seems like uh, getting stuck, so in a Buddhist sense, into the attachment of for things not to change mm -hmm. uh, is the part that makes us get upset. It's not the changing itself. Mm -hmm. That's just inevitable. So I like those, uh, those ideas. Yeah, it reminds me of Heraclitus, of course. I mean, the, the need that, yeah, the importance of staying in the now, the... Mm -hmm the acceptance of the change the importance of uh, what is here what what you are here in this moment yeah. yeah and so what what's your idea now about the afterlife what what do you what what's your worldview what uh, what's in what do we have uh, what's what's out there yeah um so i i would there's a couple different ways of looking at it and people get depressed when i think <laughs> yeah but it's great because then we have to talk about happiness so mm -hmm. let's go yeah let's like go. i don't think that yeah. there's an afterlife mm -hmm. because there's nothing permanent about me yeah. that will persist into the future after you know even in in even in my lifetime now I, I, it's this is the struggle in Buddhism is to try to focus on um, the fact that even in our lifetime now we're not permanent. Mm -hmm. So when we when we're remembering things from the past or clinging to things that are gone, um, that's wrong-headed because mm -hmm. we should just recognize the change as being unavoidable and and then mm -hmm. so adapt to the change. Mm -hmm. And so when when death happens. That's just a different kind of change. Mm -hmm. Then there's a there's um there's some African ideas that I also like. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you one that's uh, this African view. There's a bunch of there's a lot of different African traditions, but there, yeah. this one idea um, relates to conceptions of time. Mm -hmm. And uh. so there's this. It's kind of like there's a um, an expanded version of now. Mm -hmm. and then there's like this time beyond now okay. okay so instead of being a linear time from past mm -hmm. to future so then now includes not just like what's happening right now that we're talking but um it also includes it's wide enough to include now that you know that i can think of tomorrow i'm going to have a department meeting so that's now in a sense mm -hmm. um and uh, now my mom and my brother are traveling in Europe. So mm -hmm. this is expanding time and space in a certain way that that's mm -hmm. all happening. That's all now in, in the world of actuality in my world of experience or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
and that now can expand to even if somebody's died mm -hmm. somebody dies and then you know we're going through their belongings and they have a bunch of um he had a pantry filled with pickled vegetables that he all he pickled from his own garden those lasted over over a year or more beyond that we were eating mm -hmm. so then he's still feeding us mm -hmm. even though he's like physically gone yeah. there he's yeah. still there and even yeah. now that the pickles are gone he's still there in the sense that we think about him and talk about him and 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 mm -hmm. we'll notice things like oh he would have liked that or he might have said this about he might have had this to say about this so he's mm -hmm. so this that's still within the realm of now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's a certain presence and and that kind of that kind of expanded now includes a closeness that people have when they're not with each other so friends that are far away but you can they're still there you, you mm -hmm. know even if they're only there in your memory or your thoughts that uh to me is the nice version of afterlife stuff but doesn't doesn't uh speak to a to a an actual persistence of a thing absolutely absolutely i was thinking if uh, there's uh, i know that uh, you you are working on it so i know that it's in progress uh, but you were working also on the notion of synchronicity in jung I wonder mm -hmm. if uh, it has uh, anything to do with uh, with this idea of the afterlife or uh, it goes uh, into another direction. I mean, this, uh, yeah, this ability to be co-present even if, uh, um, yeah, there's not a physical presence because mm -hmm. there's, uh, yeah, there's care, there's uh, an actual way of giving and so on. Mm -hmm. So, Jung in 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 Jung's book on synchronicity, mm -hmm. he talks a lot about Taoism, and he mm -hmm. he wrote some other stuff on relating Taoism also to his idea of synchronicity. Mm -hmm. So, um, I maybe that's the that's where I find the, the interest in the connection between you know to Jung is that I'm interested in Taoism. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the um. The idea is if in Taoism, you can see these signs that help you recognize what it is that you want, synchronicity can do the same thing, right? Where I'm noticing co coincidences, people think of them as meaningful coincidences, that's the term. Mm -hmm. that we, so uh, it's meaningful because it's meaningful, because I'm recognizing meaning in it. Mm -hmm. And when I recognize meaning in it, um, that that's a reflection of like uh, a subconscious kind of uh, a direction. So people would think of seeing signs coming from God or something like that. But, mm -hmm. but, um, but obviously if I'm an atheist, I don't think that's where signs are coming from. So the signs are coming from our own unconscious mm -hmm. and that's, that fits to me with young. What do you think then when you studied about, you know, apparition of uh, ghosts, uh, the supernatural, uh, how, I don't know, uh, what kind of um, scientific interest mm -hmm. did, you, did you gain from that? Because all this, it looks, uh, yeah, absolutely reasonable. Is there anything unreasonable that you encountered in your research? I guess so that's what I... Uh, looking for. well 
when when we're looking at religious experience or a paranormal experience or afterlife experience right um people sometimes ask me if i believe in ghosts mm-hmm. so exactly. i've i've my i've refined my answer now so i'm 100 percent positive that sometimes some people have experiences of things that they think are ghosts mm-hmm. that's 100 percent true mm-hmm. so that's what i that's the extent of my belief <laughs> in ghosts okay. Um, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not a materialist, which usually people would equate atheism with materialism, Mm. but, but I don't think they have to be this connected. So I'm, I'm considering myself an open-minded skeptic when it comes to Mm -hmm. those kinds of experiences. And so it's all, it's all around the meaning. I mean, you believe, uh, you are 100 sure that they think they saw a ghost we are yeah. still right it, it, we are still in the realm of uh, <clears throat> uh, meaning <clears throat> assigned to certain experiences so what counts is that uh, yeah that person is felt uh, as present because it's still nourishing me with uh, the pickles or uh, my friend is still my friend even if it's one year that I don't uh, Mm -hmm. see him and so on and so on I mean it's um, a meaning uh, um, activity in the end that keeps us uh, connect I am thinking about phenomenology now how much uh, phenomenology is part of uh, Mm -hmm. the way in which you look at um, life because Mm -hmm. most of phenomenology is about meaning making yeah so um like meaning to me Mm -hmm. it seems obvious that meaning is real when you find meaning spontaneously you're not making it up Mm -hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're seeing it there mm-hmm. yeah right. so like the, the even the, the author of some work of art is not necessarily they might have a a meaning that they trying they're trying to imbue mm-hmm. into the art but then that might not be the one that people find right. in it yeah it's the phenomenon it's the meaning as it appears uh, to you mm-hmm. and speaks to you somehow the other thing yeah. doesn't say anything to you but that thing is telling yeah. you something and it's yeah. a compass uh, that guides you through life yeah Mm-mm. but it's not the thing that's telling you because there because there's yeah. nothing there to tell you so it's mm-hmm. you telling you but mm-hmm. yeah you're not making it up it's actually right. there inside Mm-mm. it's the lived experience that you create that uh, you engage with uh, with that mm-hmm. thing as it appears to you mm-hmm. uh-huh you know these uh, uh what about happiness i mean all this uh, studying seems to lead you in uh, a terrain that uh, doesn't i don't know that has to do with happiness uh, but in a uh, in a complicated way i mean <clears throat> what what do you think about happiness does your studying somehow give you more keys or uh, lead you away from an idea of happiness uh, what what do you think about happiness in general mm-hmm. from your point of view yeah this is the this is the hard part of uh <laughs> your whole interview thing it's the, that topic of happiness because <laughs> I, I don't I, uh, I don't think about happiness personally I don't think about it very much 
-hmm. But um, I think about uh, meaningfulness or mm -hmm. maybe I think about like purpose, mm -hmm. fulfilling a purpose. Mm -hmm. So maybe um, uh, maybe sometimes like a satisfaction of completing something that seemed purposeful. Maybe that's happiness. Uh, I don't, I don't know if, if people often think happiness is like a, could be somehow a prolonged permanent state of enjoyment of life or something, which I don't know. It's if, 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 if someone was to ask me if I'm happy in my life, I would say yes. But that doesn't mean I'm sitting around with a joyful smile on my face all the time. I feel like my life is a good one and I'm doing what I am meant to do. I'm following the path that I'm supposed to follow so that it all seems good. So I'm happy about that. There's this, there's a book called The Happiness Trap. I don't know if you're familiar with this book. It's like a psychology book, right? Tied to the idea, I think, that people think that happiness should be like a constant state. There's a, it's just a hard word to define maybe like, like love or something. Um, it has a range of meaning. So um, I can think of there's certain things that I might do that would make me happy. But then there's also a general sense that I'm happy even when I'm not doing those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, happiness, I mean, uh, it's not something that you need uh... Uh, to prove outside yourself it's completely within the path of your life happiness I guess I, I guess for me I would tie it to satisfaction with I guess feeling that I'm doing what I'm meant to do mm -hmm. and what do I'm, you think uh, sorry go ahead <laughs> do you think that uh, faith can make people happy I mean from uh, the anthropological and religious studies you you conducted do you think that something uh, as external as uh, you know believing in one god uh, in uh, a transcendent entity can make you happy or it's a way to waste happiness <laughs> no i don't think i mean for some people it would be a source of happiness for sure and and for some people, it might be a source of stress if they're worried, if they're not, they don't have enough faith, if they're supposed to have a certain amount of faith and they're not sure because they're feeling like they don't have that, or then it might be a source of, un it might, it's just like any other um, goal mm -hmm. to have that. Um, but there might be pe people who equate their own satisfaction and happiness with whatever faith means. Like mm -hmm. my faith, you know, the, the, the rational position is to be agnostic, right? Cause there's, mm -hmm. uh, there's no good proof that there's no God. Mm -hmm. There's maybe a lot, you know, um, a lack of proof is not a proof for something, but so then by being an atheist, I have to have a certain amount of faith in that position, mm -hmm. but that faith doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me unhappy. It's just a factor of my being mm -hmm. but I, I but when some other people say that they're 
you know, their faith makes them happy. I, I just believe them, take them at their word. They seem like, seems like it does. Yeah. Yeah, in another uh, interview, we were wondering how much happiness uh, feels like a burden that you have to sustain and probably I'm still mulling over this, uh, this idea for people maybe who are uh, raised uh, in a specific religion, in a specific faith, and they don't mm -hmm. uh, feel it that much. And uh, yeah, they, mm -hmm. they have to find in that some meaning, some purpose. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a documentary called um, Jesus Camp <laughs> a while back, and it's okay. about like a uh, um, evangelical Christian Bible camp kind of okay. thing. And it, it it the one part that stuck with me is this kid. He's probably eight years old, uh -huh. and he's just in tears because oh. he just doesn't know if he has enough faith. Oh, because he doesn't really know what it means and if you're allowed to have questions, I guess. And so then mm -hmm. it's scaring him because they have this whole idea that it, you, that you have to have faith in order to be with Jesus, go to heaven and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. then it can be scary. Yeah. But I think it's about definition. Uh, other, other people might feel comfortable in their faith and that comfort lets them feel happy. So mm -hmm that can help. And do you think that uh, if it's possible to find uh, happiness in pain, there are certain religious tradition that, uh, you know, oblige you to <laughs> progressive level of sacrifice. And in this sacrifice, uh, you get closer to the meaning, the sense uh, the transcendence, uh, or mm -hmm. in general, I mean, uh, even without faith, uh, yeah. There are people who pursue pain. People who go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> For example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess this, I think it's like, I think of it in terms of like endorphins and that kind of stuff that some okay. people, so mm -hmm. like I don't get those kinds of feelings from exercise, but some people are like, uh -huh. you know, might be like, oh, I feel down. So I'm going to go running. Uh -huh. I'd be like, that's the, that's the, that's the last thing I'm going to do if I feel like that. Right. But somehow they come back and they are like feeling better, feeling good because the exercise right. did something for them. Right. And I think it's a similar kind of thing can happen with those kinds of, you know, people who do uh, ascetic practices in mm -hmm. religion. Mm -hmm. um, there's a certain, I think, I mean, it get this gets in, this is getting into the line of religious experience and mm -hmm. stuff, but mm -hmm. that you can provoke religious experiences by um, ascetic practice. Uh -huh. And some of it, I think, is probably the result of chemicals in your brain and stuff. If you, you know, if you feel enough pain, then your body might take over to try to overcome, like help you overcome uh -huh. the pain that might some might, might feel like being happy. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you think it's possible. It's again, uh, what uh, one finds in that experience that counts can be any yeah, kind but, of but I don't know like this is the vagueness of the term of, of happiness right that mm -hmm. if I if I'm feeling um um you know endorphins and like uh, adrenaline and stuff and so it's making me feel like pumped up mm -hmm. that's a different feeling than a contentment with the state of things in my house mm -hmm. but 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 both of those people would call being happy absolutely is there, in all these, uh, a philosopher 
that speaks to you more than others uh, that uh, you realize uh, or well, yeah a philosopher i'd say uh, that gave you the number of answers so you needed uh, to orient yourself in mm -hmm. life You can also say no. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely uh, legitimate. Yeah, I don't think I would yeah. pick. I would uh -huh. don't think I would pick just one. Mm -hmm. But there have definitely been. There's definitely like a combination mm. of people that I would I would include. Just I would just include like Taoist texts, and then and then um, some early Buddhist texts. Mm. And then I would include, I guess I would include Young and William James and mm. uh, Victor Frankl's oh. Search for Meaning was, was oh. mm -hmm. something that I think about. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they, <laughs> we built uh, the reading list for... Uh, our listeners, just in case they want to explore your field of research and just start, uh, you mm. know, yeah, discovering what uh, what there is about uh, death after life, uh, religious experience, mysticism. What is mysticism for you? Sorry, and this is, I promise, uh, almost the last <laughs> question. I will. Uh -huh. I kept already long. Um. So I think mysticism at its core is about experience of the divine mm -hmm. or the absolute. Uh. Um, so that includes those kinds of experiences that some, you know, if someone says they, uh, you know, visions of the Virgin Mary or mm -hmm. the voice of God or mm -hmm. um, some, um, the, you know the experience of nirvana or zazen or something like that mm -hmm. moksha that people feel like one with something greater than themselves a friend of mine told a story about being out in the wilderness and then feeling he's sitting by himself and all of a sudden feeling as if he fell into nature and was like one with the whole like scene oh wow so those kinds of with or without drugs without okay. but drugs can drugs can get yeah, involved yeah. too sometimes so yeah. like timothy leary and stuff well that's a powerful experience have you ever had uh, mystical experiences no oh that's a pity <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, i've it's, tried different ways to have them but uh, i never did uh-huh <clears throat> yeah for uh, as much as i read that uh, they they describe them as uh, the rapture with something mm -hmm. that is uh, absolutely true and that uh, you cannot deny that truthfulness, even if it's uh, mm -hmm. clearly rational or uh, yeah, mm -hmm. beyond uh, any expectation of yours. Yeah. Yeah. It might feel like more real than mm -hmm. it's like waking up from a dream where you wake up and then realize like, oh, that was just a dream. Yeah. But so how do you know that you woke up? And then people have these kinds of experiences where they wake up again and realize that everything that they thought was real in their waking life is really yeah. actually like a dream. Yeah, and that becomes the guidance. <laughs> yeah, it's mm -hmm. well, something quite powerful. Look, 
the real last question. Thanks uh, for <laughs> being with me today. It was uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, if there is, uh, what do you think is the meaning of life then? I mean, we spoke a lot about meaning and the role that it played in different areas of research. Is there the meaning of life or? I don't, I don't think there's necessarily one meaning of life, mm -hmm. but I would say everybody has to find their own meaning of life. And I would do it in a similar kind of fashion to the Taoist approach mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. uh, if I listen to myself and follow what I'm drawn to, mm -hmm. then that's my meaning. Mm -hmm. Can there be happiness without meaning for you? No. Uh, right. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. They are strictly tied together. And it seems almost uh, the obligation that life uh, puts in front of us. Mm -hmm. If there's anything, I mean, it seems quite, it's, it's almost a duty. You have this messiness and you have to make sense out of it. Otherwise, uh, it's a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, I wouldn't think of it as a duty because that yeah. sounds like oppressive. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. more like uh, just a, a process of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nice. So yeah. There's, because there's religious, you know, like uh, some religious traditions that impose Mm -hmm. duty that you have to do this or that mm -hmm. um, but in this idea i have to do what it is that i that i have to do not anybody else telling me what to do mm -hmm. that's beautiful well thank you so much for being part of uh, our uh, episode today it's uh, oh, well, thank you very much this thanks fun for me too <laughs>